It's winter, and you can now get almost anything you need for the coldest months of the year delivered with Uber Eats. What do we mean by almost? Well, you can't get a ski slope delivered, but you can get dish soap delivered. Sunshine, that's a no. But a bottle of wine, that's a yes. A snow angel, sorry, no, but angel hair pasta. Uber Eats can definitely get you that. Get almost, almost anything delivered with Uber Eats. Order now. Alcohol and select markets. Product availability may vary by region. See app for details. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chad. Latest from the NHL preseason tonight. 2-2, Blue Jackets and Sabres in the third. Also in the third, Canadians trailing the Maple Leafs 2-0. Bruins up 2-0 on the Devils. Penguins leading Detroit 3-2. After the first, no score, Hurricanes and Predators. Late in the first, Capitals up 1-0 on the Blackhawks. Three games coming up later, including the Senators and the Canucks. The Edmonton Oilers will play in Winnipeg tomorrow. 4.30 face-off show here on 6.30. Ched, game at 6. Nugent Hopkins will not play. We'll see about Connor McDavid. No Marcus Granlin nursing a bit of a groin issue, hoping to be back in it against Calgary on Saturday. Joel Pearson on defense out seven to ten days with a shoulder problem. Ethan Bear expected to play both of the Oilers' remaining preseason game. Is big shot for him maybe to stick around for opening day. Head coach Dave Tippett was asked, "Hey man, are you where you want to be with two games left in the exhibition schedule?" There's there's two sides to it. You get to know people well. You get to you know I obviously watched a lot of the players, see how they play, but then there's a there's a Part of it, you have to get to know them through your own eyes, too. And it's easy to put names on chalkboards or whiteboards in the summer and say this is going to work. But as you go through exhibition, you you start to get a feel for players. You get a feel for how they fit in the lineup. You get a feel for their energy they bring on the bench, their attributes they bring to the game, who might work with each other. Because, like I say, it's it's easy on the in the summer just to write them on a board and, oh, this looks good, this is going to be great. And then they get on there and they're not great. So then what do you do? <laughs> so that's what training camp's all about. Uh, that's why last night's game was important for us because we wanted to, like I thought it was important to give the veterans, put them in their spots, let them do their thing, gets, lets us get an evaluation. Now we have some young players that are really going to push those guys, That uh, some of those guys in that lineup, and we'll see if they can push them out or the veterans... You know, we get the balance there. So it's uh, the evaluation process goes every day. And as we get into the games here, it's got it's going to get deeper and deeper. And veteran players, the, the two sides, when you look at it, you come in veteran players, especially players that have played in the NHL before. They know what you want in structure. They know what's going on. Right. And players say we've got the three players from Europe coming over, four players from Europe. They listen, they're attentive in the meetings, but they don't have a full grasp of that yet. So how are they going to adapt through camp? And can you get them to the first game where they can, where they, you feel comfortable enough that they're in tune with what you want to do? Or do you go with a, 
veteran guy that says, okay, he knows he knows what he has to do. He knows the structure, how you want to play. He knows going into a game, the expectations. So those are the things you got to find out. Ultimately, young players or an experienced player might push him push his way in because of the dynamic he, he brings. Pretty good answer there by Tippett. Touched on a lot of different things. You know, as he said it a few times, the roster always looks great on on the whiteboard in the summer. This guy's going to do this. Then what happens? Injuries already affecting the team. Uh, by, by the way, I mentioned Marcus Granlin with his groin issue. Um, Colton at Alak Labish, he says, Hey, Reed, what are your thoughts on Marcus Granlin? I only watched him one game in the preseason. He didn't seem all that great to me. Yeah, I, I, you know, I think Granlin is the type of player he, he, he is not going to wow you. I, I know when he signed with the Oilers, I, I texted somebody who has seen him play more than me and said, What do you think of Granlin? And, and the person wrote back, Well, pretty vanilla player. Um, I mean, I think there the orders are hoping, looking for somebody who will be reliable, who will kill penalties, who will check and contribute, hopefully around 10 goals. I mean, I think that's the magic number for a lot of those uh, bottom six players, as Tippett has called them. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. I, I, don't, I don't know if, if, if he's going to be a huge uh, – he's not going to be an, eye-top, an eye-popping-like player. I think if Granlin is good, he's going to be quietly effective. Um, but, yeah, when he played in the preseason, I, I wouldn't say I was wowed either. We have uh, Jared on the line for a quick call. Go ahead, Jared. Hey, Reed, I put a, a comment about a caller uh, last night when he was talking about Connor McDavid's decline in five-on-five play. I just think that that's a very uh, simplified stat because you would have to take into account who Connor would like if Connor had more minutes against top pairing defensemen and against top lines. And there's also another thing is that when Gretzky was playing with the Oilers in the eighties with Glenn Sather, he played a lot of the game with like one leg over the boards and Glenn Sather always tried to put him out when when a defensive pair or a line was tired. So I think all of those factors come into play when you're evaluating like his five on five play. And I remember when I saw Lemieux and Edmonton he was another one that as soon as the puck reached center ice, going into his own zone, he went off the change. So I think that a lot of those stats, you know, I'm not saying some of them don't have credence, but I think a lot of them are somewhat meaningless because there's so many other factors that come into play. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm with you on the advanced stats. I find a lot of them really interesting, but they're not the be-all and the end-all. I think you have to incorporate both. I think sometimes the advanced stats might might reveal things and make you think about players a little differently and, and maybe can challenge preconceived notions. Uh, I think with McDavid, I mean, I think that I think it was Zach that called in and I believe the stat he was using was, was it points per 60 minutes or something like no, that? that he, he had like 30 uh, even strength goals and a drop, drop to 24, I believe. Yeah, I, I think the context of his call was was whether or not you play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. I, I still think until the Oilers are much deeper, those two guys should be together. And like I said, the bottom line is they they want to be together. And I still think that creates the most matchup problems for the other team. It's And, yeah. and what Ken Holland has done is he's tried to round out the roster. That And, and I said this last night, I, I think ideally... The Oilers would like to tie the game in the 40 minutes McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't on the ice, and then most nights they would hope to win it with those two players on the ice because they had two of the top four point totals in the league last year, so they outplayed everybody else's top players. So Yeah, that's correct. Anyway, oh. Jared, it's good you're listening again, buddy. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.
All right. Uh, I just want to bring in uh, Jordan Baker, former U of A Golden Bear star, Edmonton Stinger, now an assistant coach with the Golden Bears and playing for Team Edmonton at the FIBA 3X3 event at West Edmonton Mall Ice Palace Saturday and Sunday. Jordan, good to have you on the show again. How are you doing? Great. Reed, thanks for having me again. Yeah, thanks for fitting me in. I know you're a busy guy. A lot going on for you, a lot going on for basketball uh, in, in the city. Let's start there. You, you played for the Edmonton Stingers through their inaugural season. I know it didn't quite go the way you wanted at the, at the season-ending tournament, but pretty strong season. I, I think you got some fans on board. How did it uh, look for you from a player's perspective? Yeah, I mean, from a player's perspective, uh, everything was taken care of. Uh, club was run very professionally. Um, obviously, the city and community really embraced us. So, you know, it was a lot of fun being able to play professional basketball in my hometown. And, you know, there's a lot of excitement around the team. And hopefully that continues next year. Okay. Well, and uh, you're playing in the tournament this weekend. We got the FIBA 3x3 Men's Challenger at the Ice Palace. Obviously, the, the women were there last weekend. Let me let me start there. I, I got to see the Plouffe sisters play for Canada in the final. They're doing great. Uh, I, I mean, what can you say about the about the Plouffe's, how they're representing Canada and Edmonton? Yeah, I mean, they're two national team caliber athletes um, from a 5-on-5 perspective that are now playing 3x3 um, and I think it's great for the sport I think it's great for Team Canada to have them representing and obviously dominating uh, in the tournaments that I've seen anyway so I think they're really doing a great job representing Canada on the uh, international stage with 3x3 all right, uh, your team for 3x3, Team Edmonton, uh, doing pretty well, you know, in the top 10. Obviously, it's a pretty stacked field here coming up this weekend uh, at West Edmonton Mall. Just tell me a little bit about the the competition on the circuit. You, you know, they, I know I guess some teams are more successful than others, but I just feel with that format, Jordan, the games are so quick and, and so furious. It just seems like any game can go either way or the momentum can swing so quickly. Yeah, I mean, with the twos being worth one and threes being worth two, uh, the team catches fire. You know, it's tough to overcome in a 10-minute game. If a team hits five twos on you, all of a sudden you're in a pretty deep, deep hole, and, you know, the game goes to 21, so it's not like there's a ton of time for you to recover. So um, I think you got to be ready to go from the tip and, you know, be strong defensively, give yourself a chance to win. All right. In terms of the opportunity here for you to, to play an event in Edmonton, and look, I know you've been a Golden Bear uh, and a Stinger, but uh, but another tournament here in Edmonton. Just give me a perspective on on, on having this tournament uh, here, what it means for you, but also just for basketball in the city as well. Yeah, I mean, even last weekend watching the women's series, um, you know, the atmosphere was electric. The crowd was into it. They were loving it. Um, it was great to see Canada do well and win the tournament, but you know, being able to have that home court advantage, um, it's going to be something new for us. We experienced a little bit in Montreal with, you know, being the only Canadian team to advance to the quarterfinals. So, you know, the crowd is behind us there. But I think in Edmonton, being Team Edmonton with, you know, Steve and myself being from the city, uh, you know, hopefully we're able to lean on the crowd and get a few wins. How do you compare the physicality and the physical demands of 3x3 to traditional full-court 5-on-5 basketball? I mean, there, there might be a little more space out there, but the shot clock's only 12 seconds, and off a miss or a made basket, the defensive team gets to transition into offense pretty quickly. So just how do you, how do you compare the, the physical aspect of the two games? Well, I mean, in 3x3, um, a shot goes up, and you're standing right next to the guy that you're guarding or who's guarding you, and then 
there's no real transition period. There's no time where you get to run down the floor and not have to deal with banging into each other or running into each other or grabbing or clutching or any of that stuff. So in 3x3, you're essentially in close quarters the entire game. Um, so the level of physicality is a little bit different. Um, it's not the same in terms of, you know, needing to get up and down the floor being quick. It's more of a mental transition game, but at the same time, um, as fans will see this weekend, it's extremely physical. Um, you got to be ready for contact. You got to be able to play through the contact because the refs—they've um, been taught to ref a little bit differently than five on five. So there's uh, definitely a lot of things that get let go. So you got to be able to play through it. All right. Well, all the best this weekend. And I started the interview by saying what a busy guy you are. You're, and are you back on the Golden Bears staff this year as well? Yeah, we're uh, getting ready to practice in about 20 minutes here. So, um, yeah, back at, at practice with the Bears, and we're hoping for a big season from a lot of guys this year. So it should be exciting. Okay. Jordan, it's always great to have you on the show. All the best this weekend. We'll talk again soon. Appreciate it, Reed. Thanks. Jordan Baker, Team Edmonton, FIBA 3x3. Fun game. It's this weekend at West Edmonton Mall. King's Court with Ryan King, brought to you by Dynasty Builders, designing the custom home of your dreams, available now exclusively in Landrex communities. Back to another episode of King's Court on 630 Chet. I'm your host, Ryan King, and today we're going a little behind the scenes to check out what a day-to-day life looks like with our equipment and our medical staff and a little bit on what it takes to go on the road with the Edmonton Eskimos. And we're back with Graham Scott from the equipment side of the Edmonton Eskimos. Graham, let's start with uh, how you got involved with the Edmonton Eskimos organization. Well, Ryan, it's a pretty interesting uh, conversation there. So they needed, when I, I started when I was 14 years old, and they needed a water boy for the game because the guys that were the regular water guys were um, football players. And so my homeroom teacher, Rob Strecker, uh, he knew that I was a sports guy and that I didn't play football. So he asked if I wanted to do it for one night. Uh, to, to make the story a little bit longer even, uh, as I was filling up the water bottles, uh, I didn't screw on the lid uh, tight enough. And uh, as Rob came he, for a sip of water, uh, the, the bottle fell all over his body. And uh, I looked over and Dwayne, my boss, was howling, laughing. And uh, Rob was quite upset. But uh, Dwayne said, you can stay here. You can stay here as long as you want. So after that uh, accidental prank, uh, I, I kind of stuck, stuck on from about four and now I'm 31 years old. Nice, make a good impression for uh, Dwayne Man Jerziak, and uh, you can get yourself a nice long career. Uh, day-to-day look at the duties of our equipment staff. Let's just uh, bring me through from when you walk in until uh, practice is done. So I, I, I show up about 7 a.m., and uh, we have a little bit of folding from the night before that we just don't get to so that we can get a, get an evening in. So we do a little bit of folding, and uh, once, we, once we do that, we kind of start prep for the day. Um, We'll have all the field gear is usually out on the practice field, so that's all ready to rock. Uh, but we'll make sure that we'll start getting uh, practice balls ready. Uh, some quarterbacks uh, like the practice balls prepped a little bit differently. So we uh, get get the practice balls ready. And uh, once you guys go to meetings about 9 a.m., then we'll, as long as it's not raining, we'll get the balls out for practice and get that going. Uh, and then as guys go for tubs and treatments and stuff, there's always that laundry and stuff to do in the morning. Okay, let's go uh, when we get into practice time now. Uh, practice has started. Uh, 
I know you guys are uh, running around like uh, you got your chicken uh, head, heads cut off like chickens. And uh, just go give me through uh, what you do actually now when practice is started. So I start out, uh, I get to hang out with the kickers and the specialists a little bit. And uh, I, do, I do a lot of catching for the punts and the field goals, that type of thing. Uh, one, once early outs is finished up and uh, the kickers are warmed up, uh, practice really gets underway and uh, we do everything. Uh, Dan and I, we do the music to make sure that the guys are uh, enjoying, enjoying the sound of practice. And they also do, uh, throughout the day, uh, I place all the footballs. We follow a script that Coach Moss and uh, uh, Jordan McSimmick uh, f- set out for us, and we uh, go through there. So uh, we follow the script, we follow the practice schedule, and uh, move through practice. Even as far as blowing the whistles in between uh, all the practices to make sure we follow script and uh, make sure there's a ball at the right place at the right time, and uh, you guys are always working hard out there. Uh, we got a road game coming up. What goes into traveling uh, with the team? Um, for, for us, we kind of have to pack everything. So we, we suit you guys out head to toe, and uh, we need to make sure that we have everything. So if you guys need an extra pair of compression shorts or an extra pair of socks, we have to make sure that we pack extra for all sizes of athletes. I think Martiz is uh, probably our smallest guy, and then we have Big Matty O'Donnell, who's 6'11". So we have to make sure that we have size size outfit for, for everybody. And uh, we, we go through, Dwayne does a lot of the jerseys, make sure, double checks that we have all the jerseys. Uh, we're, you can see right here, we have our uh, road name bars all sorted out and we have a little sheet on top of these name bars, making sure that we ha- haven't forgotten anybody. Uh, again, footballs, we uh, have to pack 12 game, uh, game prepped footballs. And then for the practice, for the warm up, we have uh, about 15 footballs to make sure that every uh, Every coach and every player has enough footballs to, to run the warm-up. Um, then we also have to pack extra helmets, uh, extra face masks, uh, warm gear, cold gear. Uh, we have to pack extra shoulder pads. Uh, you, you name it, we, we pack it just to make sure that we're all sorted out. So pretty much we, we as players got to pack our own gear. We got to bring all of our own stuff. And then our uh, trusty equipment staff is the ones that are bringing basically an extra set of gear for, for all of us on the team. Um, when we travel to, to games, you guys are there much before we are. Um, when you get on a game day routine, what time are you at the stadium and what are your duties when you get there? So on, on game day, uh, the night before, we're able to set you guys all out. So we have all your pra- or all your game gears in your locker set out nicely. So we're there on game day about five hours beforehand, and that's just to make sure that we're all ready to rock. Um, players will start coming in about four and a half hours before the game, uh, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of the old linemen, their shoulder pads are so tight uh, over their shoulder pads uh, so we flip their jersey inside out and get their get their jerseys over their shoulder pads that way. Um, and basically, we we press more game balls to make sure that they're game day ready. And uh, if anybody needs anything, we'll make sure to have that ready. Well, that's awesome. I know you guys are uh, super busy on uh, not only practice day, game days, travel days. Uh, our equipment staff is uh, definitely a crew that we uh, couldn't be uh, doing almost anything with, uh, as you can see, from practice to traveling to making sure we're all dressed up for game day. So I appreciate all the hard work our equipment staff does uh, for the Edmonton Eskimos. Thanks, Ryan. And thank you for tuning in. For- the legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! 
The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Another episode of King's Court on 630 Chad. See you next week. And that's presented by Dynasty Builders, designing the custom home of your dreams. Available now exclusively in Landrex communities. Hi, this is Trevor Harris of the Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Well, I don't get the impression Trevor Harris is going to play Saturday in Ottawa, but we'll see how things go throughout the week. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays leading Baltimore 3-0 in the eighth NHL preseason. Sabres have beaten the Blue Jackets 4-3 in overtime. Late in the third, Pittsburgh up 4-2 on Detroit. Toronto shuts out Montreal 3-0. Got a text out of the Killam area earlier. Is Austin Matthews playing in full gear or just his gaunch? Oh my! Yeah, actually, just his gaunch. He, that's what he has to. That'll just be his punishment. Uh, Bruins shut out the Devils two nothing. Second period, no score. Hurricanes and Predators. Capitals lead the Blackhawks two nothing. Start of the second period. Three games coming up later, including Vancouver home to Ottawa. The Oilers in Winnipeg tomorrow. Four thirty faceoff show. Game will start at six. All here on six thirty. Ched. No Nugent Hopkins tomorrow. Pearson is out seven to ten days with a shoulder injury. We'll see if Mark McDavid participates in zero one or two of the remaining preseason games. Another texter says, uh, Reed, I was very impressed with Thomas Yurko. Good size. He can skate, in my opinion, and has experience in the NHL, which I think is an upside. I hope he gets another look. I would think him and Nygaard might get a bit of a look here with more skilled players. I did like what I saw from Yurko. He spent the last year, a couple of years, in the AHL, and for me, a lot of times, that's a red flag. Well, why isn't this guy good enough? But he was derailed by injuries. And the fact that it was a back injury and he looks like he can still move pretty well is a positive. So there there might be something there for the Edmonton Oilers. We'll see how it goes. All right, I'm pleased to welcome back to the show good buddy filmmaker Adam Scorgy. Adam, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Thanks for having me on, Reed. I appreciate it, bud. It's always great to have you on. I, I well, Maybe I should introduce you how you sign your emails, producer and creative hustler. <laughs> <laughs> well, it takes, you know, film. The film business is a tough business, so you have to find a way to, to get it done. So that is uh, someone someone called me that one time, and I, I, I took it from there and then put out my business card and, it always seems to get attention, so I, I leave it there. Well, you're you're in an industry where you got to do whatever you can to, to get attention. We're always happy to give it to you. If if people are, uh, are, are if your name rings a bell, I know a lot of people know you now, but if your name rings a bell or they're first time listeners, Adam uh, produced the excellent film Ice Guardians. When did how how when did that come first come out? Now is it what three four years old already? Yeah, three. I just actually was just getting like the memories on Facebook of like three years ago. It was our uh, 2016. We were at uh, we premiered during the Toronto International Film Festival. We didn't actually get in. We just premiered during and then took advantage of the media coverage and everything was there. Okay. Well, Ice Guardians, uh, a great movie, and you keep plugging away. We've talked about some of your other projects, and uh, this one here is is pretty incredible, and, and it's starting to uh, to get screened. Inmate number one, 
the rise of Danny Trejo. And if, if that actor's name doesn't immediately ring a bell, Adam, people, I'm sure, will Google him right now or when they get home, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy, Danny Trejo. Uh, an, an incredible story. I, I put on Twitter, Adam Scorgi goes to jail, sort of, for his latest <laughs> film. But that, that's a big part of the story from Danny. Huge part. Uh, with a lot of people don't know about Danny, and he is exactly what he said. If you don't recognize the name, as soon as you see his face, you're like, "Oh, that's the guy from Blood In, Blood Out." Bad, you know, Breaking Bad, Sons of Anarchy, Heat. He's been his IMDb has him like 396 credits to date. Oh, uh, yeah, it's incredible. We actually there's a whole clip of that in the film. But Danny's uh, what makes the story so compelling is is not just that he's an actor. It's that you know, he served 10 years in federal penitentiaries in California and turned his life around when he was facing the gas chamber in Soledad Prison for uh, throwing a rock at um, a prison guard, that he turned his life around to become, you know, arguably one of the most successful Mexican-American actors in Hollywood history, despite being, you know, on the brink of being executed. How did you get this project going to... Uh, I mean, not just have the idea, but then to have access to an interview and, and, and paint the life picture of, of, of a Hollywood star. Well, it started with, um, I worked on a movie set with my producing partner, Rocky Medaliar, who's also another Edmonton guy. We were working on a on a, an indie sci-fi thriller called Juarez 2045, which got turned into Cartel 2045. And surprise, Danny plays the cartel leader. Uh, and uh, we met Danny, and then my buddy Rocky's like, Adam, like, we should do a doc on Danny. And I, you know, at the time, I was like, well, I know him as the actor, but I don't know if that's enough to do a feature doc. And then once you heard his story, and you're like, and you got to meet him, like, Danny is the antithesis of the man that you see in the movies. He's always playing the big, bad, scary guy. He is the biggest joker. He's always making everybody laugh. He's a super sweetheart. So you're like, okay, man, he's so fun to be around. And he's 75 years old, so he shares everything. Like, his prison, like, like we hold no bars when we go into, he talks about running protection rings and being stabbed and stabbing people and doing armed robberies and putting guns in people's mouths when he was 12 years old to scare them and intimidate them, get them out of their money. So when we saw how open he was and how incredible his story was, and I reached out to director Brett Harvey that did Ice Guardians and I did The Culture I With and several others. I'm like, hey, would you be interested in directing this? And then he looked up the stories like, Adam, I have to do this story. And then when the two of us flew down to meet Danny and pitched him, he loved the idea, and then we got his agent on board, and it was uh, it was one one heck of a ride, that's for sure. Uh, I mean, in Breaking Bad, was he the, the turtle guy, if people are? Yeah, okay, Tortuga. Right. Yeah. Right. Tortuga, yeah. Everybody will remember that scene if you're a Breaking Bad fan, which I am. He's, what, 71? 75. 75. Um, yeah. Well, look, this is a, a sports show. Um, he he still looks like he could go out there and take anybody on or line up at linebacker. You you you, you could only wish. We all said that when he because he still takes his shirt off all the time to show that tattoo, right? That the famous tattoo he has on his chest. We all are like, man, if I could look half as good as he does at seventy five. But you know, uh, to the sports angle, the interesting thing is Danny won um, welterweight champion titles in Soledad and San Quentin while he was serving time. Um, that's actually kind of how he survived and how he got over the time is Danny would train while he was in there. And that later on helped him when he walked onto the movie set of Runaway Train. 
Eddie Bunker, who was the writer and working in the thing, recognized him from San Quentin and watched him fight. And he's like, hey, we need you to train Eric Roberts, who was the lead in the show with John Voight. And, and Danny goes up and he's like, well, how much does it pay? Like $320 a day. He's like, shit, how bad do you need him beat up? And they're like, no, 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 he's an actor. He's like, strong. We don't want you to beat him up. And they're like, but he might punch you or something. He's like, oh, for 320 bucks a day, give him a stick. He's like, I've been beat up for free. <laughs> Okay, the film is Inmate Number One: The Rise of Danny Trejo. Uh, so, but it's already shown at the Calgary Film Fest. Like, yeah. is, it, is it in Edmonton this week, or what's going on? Not we this week. Oh, okay. It'll be coming to Edmonton October 29th. Okay. Uh, lots of time. It's going to be at the Metro Theater. Um, so we wanted to wait kind of after Calgary to to announce that, but we're going to do a big. Big premiere here, and uh, yeah, get friends, family, and everybody at the Metro, and have a great evening down there. And I'll be, you know, kind of working with Guy, who helps run the festivals here and there, to do that screening. And really looking forward to bringing it to Edmonton. We had a tremendous showing in Calgary, and it's up it's currently in running for the Audience Award too. Um, but uh, everyone's been bugging me, like, when are you bringing it to Edmonton? I'm like, it's coming, it's coming. So uh, October 29th. Okay. okay, we'll have to have you on again closer to the day. Uh, I don't know if the Oilers play or not. I'll, if, if not, I'll definitely try to, to get there. Or if not, you can... I, I, I always laugh at the story. Ice Guardians, by the way, you sent me that link, the first film I ever watched front to back on my phone. That's yeah, I, yeah, well, that's, I would love if you could actually... If I'm hoping, I think we schedule it so there's no game that day. Um, so hopefully you can make it because I, I'm dying for you to come and see one of them in the big screen and experience it with the audience. Yeah, absolutely. Inmate number one, the rise of Danny Trejo, producer, filmmaker, Edmontonian Adam Scorgi on the line telling you about how we got this going. Adam, great to have you on the show, buddy. We'll talk to you down the road. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Appreciate it. That is Adam Scorgi uh, checking in. Man, that guy works hard. At, uh, great ideas. you got to have that idea. you got to have that idea for a story. And he's doing an, uh, an awesome job. Uh, Jay Bueller. Texting in, uh, did you read about Trejo saving a baby trapped in an overturned car? I did not know that, Jay. Maybe that one is uh, in the movie. That's a good stuff. Okay, we got to take a quick time out. Very special guest in studio. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. He's hiking for a great cause but not just any normal hike we'll have that story when we get back hi this is ryan Nugent hopkins from your edmonton oilers you're listening to inside sports with reed wilkins on oilers radio 630 chad all right really appreciate you tuning in tonight i want to remind you that the 36th annual edmonton toy run is this Sunday. This is all in support of 630 Chet Santa's Anonymous. You're being asked to gather at Capilano Mall as early as 9.30. All the bikes are going to depart at 11. Donations collected at the end of the ride at the Horlick Park Amphitheater. That'll start around 12.30, where you want you to help us fill up a 53-foot trailer with new toys for uh, Santa's Anonymous and easy website to remember to get more information, edmontontoyrun.org, edmontontoyrun.org. That is this Sunday, 
all to help 630 Chad Santa's Anonymous. All right, uh, having a fun show. We got you the latest on the Oilers. You can always go to 630Ched.com. You've heard from Eskimos receiver Greg Ellingson. We had uh, Jordan Baker on the 3X3. We just had filmmaker Adam Scorgi on the show, and I'm pleased to welcome to the studio Corey Clendenning. Corey, how are you doing? I am great, and uh, it's an honor to be here, Reed. Well, thanks a lot for coming in. This is uh, a heck of a story. Our buddy Robin Brownlee said you should try to get, uh, get Corey on the show. And uh, when he told me what it was about, I was like, oh, yeah, we're getting Corey on the show. I- I'm just going to let you put it in your own words, first of all. What are you doing in a couple of weeks? I'll be heading off to uh, Tanzania to hike Kilimanjaro in about a seven- to eight-day hike. Um, the goal, obviously, is to reach the summit. And uh, the more primary goal is to raise money and awareness for the mustard seed. Okay, so the mustard seed, Robin's been involved with that. Uh, obviously, a, a great, uh, great organization here in our city. Um, you want to you do the fundraising. It's for a great cause. From the pure hiking standpoint and the challenge, why... Like, what are you going to have to get through mes- mentally and physically to achieve this? Uh, well, there's a lot I'm, uh, I'm not aware of, to be honest with you. Um, it's all started about a year ago. I was in Kelowna, and uh, it was kind of a bucket list item. Um, I decided I wanted to challenge myself and get out of the, my comfort zone, and Kilimanjaro was one of the things I wanted to do. Um, so I made the decision to do it, and then I thought, well, I might as well try and get have somebody else benefit from this other than me simply having a bucket list item and so i came up with the mustard seed i've had an affiliation with them throughout the years and then uh it's only been about the last three months where it's really kicked in where i bought my tickets and i started booking hotels and flights and everything else and then i'm like wow i should probably start hiking if i'm gonna actually hike a mountain (laughs) so i've made several trips down to uh canmore and kicking horse and um Vancouver and managed to get some hikes in and uh, try and get my legs working and uh, towards climbing a mountain, a very tall mountain. Okay, Kilimanjaro, uh, my stats tell me 19,300 feet. Sounds about right. Close enough. Yep. So it's almost 6,000 meters. So it's 6K, but it's up. I mean, running 6K for me is no problem. Yeah. Uh, So how how long is this going to take? Like, is it broken into stages? What's going on? It takes about, it can range anywhere from four to 10 days. Um, The more time you spend on the mountain, the better chance you have of getting acclimated to the altitude. And that is the biggest thing, biggest hurdle or obstacle that stops people from reaching the summit is the altitude. So... I believe the uh, the path I've chosen is about a seven to eight day path. Um, so there's different routes. Up yeah, there. there's there's probably easily a half dozen routes, and oh, I wow. I can't pronounce the route that no, I'm no, taking. No, no, that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> but each day will be anywhere between five and seven hours of hiking, um, with the summit day being twelve to fifteen hours, um, and that also includes about six hours of descent. Are you in a group? I am not in a group, technically speaking. I'm going on my own. You have to be accompanied by a trekking company. Okay. Uh, so I have a, a guide and porters. Um, there will be other people doing the same route I'm doing at the same time, but I'm technically not in a group, but I'll be hiking in and around other people. Okay. So you're sleeping in a tent or? I'm sleeping just... in a tent. Um, I certainly hope I'm sleeping in a tent. <laughs> I've paid for that. Hey, here's a rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so there are um, like with these uh, trekking companies, it can range in price from twenty five hundred bucks to ten thousand US. And so I'm definitely not at the higher end of the scope. Okay. Um, so it'll it'll be like uh, camping for a week with a lot of. <laughs> With a lot of difficult walking. Yeah, with a in. lot of uh, altitude walking. So do they, do they have food there for you and stuff? Like yeah. you don't have to bring... Okay. No, I don't have to bring anything. I will bring, um, you know, cliff bars and stuff like that for, for snacking, just for little energy bars and whatnot. Right. But we will get three square meals a day. Um, how much goat I'll be eating, I'm not sure. I don't know what the primary protein is in Tanzania. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, they will be feeding us. And big thing is uh, hydration. Um, I think we're supposed to drink between two to three liters a day. And so they, I'm sure they have water stations up there and they'll be hiking the water up for us. Have you talked to anybody who has done this hike so you can get a little bit of preparation? I've talked to a couple of people. Uh, oddly enough, I ran into a client not long ago and uh, the hike came up and he said, oh yeah, I did it like 20 years ago. I'm like, oh, how many days did you do it? He goes, oh, we did it in four. I'm like, four? He goes, yeah. He goes, I was so sick at the top. He goes, oh, no. it was horrendous. And that's why one of the reasons, once again, why I'm doing the seven to eight day hike. So what does the altitude do to your body? Um, Dizzy spells, nausea, uh, severe headaches. um, Nothing good. Nothing good. Um, The the trekking companies, they check uh, your um, oxygen levels three times a day uh, just to make sure that you're processing and, you know, they keep an eye on you. But I do have altitude sickness pills, and hopefully I don't have to use them. Okay. Corey, uh, Corey Clendenning joining us in studio. He's uh, raising money for the uh, mustard seed by going up Mount Kilimanjaro. He's going to start October 12th. And you said, that, so then when you get to the top, then how do they, do, they, do you just then walk back down? Or yeah, they... yeah. After you've reached the pinnacle and you're so happy and your feet are so sore, then you've got to walk another six hours just to sleep again so you start to descend um after you reach the summit and then you have another night on the mountain i believe um i'm sure with the the higher end trekking companies maybe they pick you up in a helicopter i was wondering that if yeah. there's a chopper or something <laughs> yeah i wish um but unfortunately no there's just more walking and it's downhill at that point okay well th- this is incredible if people want to want to donate uh how, how can they do it uh, there's a couple ways. Uh, they can go online to the seed.ca. Right. And um, they can donate there. Uh, there will be a uh, column that asks you why you're don- donating. If they put in hashtag hike for hope. Hike for hope. Okay. Yeah. Then things will go under my, my banner, so to speak. Um, 100% of the donations go to the mustard seed. You will be issued or they'll issue tax receipts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm funding my own trip. But this just allows me to keep totals. Uh, the goal is to raise ten thousand. I think I'm at about four thousand as of right now. Okay. Um, I still got a lot of people to hit up, and any listeners. But you that, said something very important. This is not to cover any of your expenses. You're, it's all going to the mustard seed. Absolutely, one hundred percent is going to the mustard seed. Um, this is a venture that I'm funding on my own. This is incredible. So the seed.ca, I've donated through that site. It's yeah. it's pretty straightforward to do it. Hashtag hike for hope. So yeah. so they know that this is uh, for what for what Corey is doing. This is this is awesome stuff. Um, so so you're starting October 12th, but you're flying over on the 8th. Yeah, I leave uh, Calgary to Frankfurt on the 8th. I get into Nairobi. I'm going to Kenya first for three days, roughly, just to get uh, used to the time zone. 
Um, I don't want to land in Tanzania and start hiking the next day when there's an eight-hour time <laughs> well, why difference. Why not? I got enough problems to deal with. <laughs> I don't need the time zone. So I'm going to spend a few days just outside of Nairobi. I'm actually going to visit an uh, elephant refuge called the Sheldrick Foundation. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and, of course... I know I've I've retweeted some some stuff you've put out and and Robin Brownlee as well. But if people are looking for you on Twitter, it is at CVC Homes. Yeah, correct. Because uh, you're a realtor, so Homes correct. like the house H O M E S CVC Homes. Also, if you want to follow Corey on Twitter or go to my Twitter account or Robin Brownlee's, because we've put out uh, some retweets as well. Yeah, I'll be also tweeting um, a little bit more uh, frequently leading up to it and with the donation page and whatnot, so people can donate. This is awesome. We might have to get you to call in from the mountain uh yeah let's, hopefully i don't drain my battery i do have a, a a booster for my my phone but i don't know what cell service is like over there yeah how concerned are you going to be about the order's penalty kill when you're on day four on the mountain my what <laughs> <laughs> as much as i love the oilers i won't be thinking about the penalty kill uh now you have you you're talking you're obviously a big oilers fan you're a lifelong edmontonian and yeah. you you've you you believe you've brought us a listener from Malaysia tonight? Yeah, I do have a as a longtime friend. Matt Marshall is in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. Um, he is a self 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 professed pardon me uh, Oiler historian. He can virtually uh, tell you every goal, every big goal that's been scored, and who scored it from what point, and everything everything in between so i know he's listening and uh he'll get a big kick out of this um he's not as positive about this year as i am uh i I see a lot of upside and uh i think obviously the playoffs are the goal and i think we're going to make it um but yeah bigger shout out to matt marshall all right, Corey. Well, I, I wish you all the best. We we will have to talk. I, obviously, I was joking about talking while you're on the mountain. But when when you get back, you're gonna have to come in and share your experience. This is awesome. I would love to. I will be uh, tweeting uh, once I do have some cell service from Africa, so you'll get some updates and hopefully it's a positive one with me at the summit. Corey, thanks for stopping in. Thanks for having me, Reed. Again, the seed.ca hashtag hike for hope. If you wanna donate. Corey is going up Kilimanjaro. That is going to be incredible. All the help, the mustard seed. Hey, some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South Comfort Food to Edmonton with their creative take on Southern Classics spun with a modern twist. NorthChickenYEG.com Dave Campbell's the producer of Inside Sports. Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. 4.30 tomorrow face-off show. Game at 6. Oilers take on the Jets. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for listening. Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.